0: Hello and welcome to this talk from Hershen Baptist Church. My name is Phil. I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. We're here to provide great Christian resources to help us all to be courageous in mission, Bible saturated, spirit dependent and loving of others. If you're new here, please hit like and subscribe below to stay in touch. Before we start this week's talk, I just want to let you know about our Alpha course starting on the 17th of September. It's a great opportunity to think about the big ideas of life, the big questions of life, like why am I here, what am I doing, and who is Jesus? It's on 17th September, and you can join via Zoom, Uh, so we're running it online. All you need to do at the moment is email me, either on the link uh, next to me on the screen, or in the show notes below, and we'll reserve you a place on that course. Do come along. It's a great opportunity to engage with something that could change your life forever. Well over the last few months we've been thinking about the big questions of life like why are we here and what's the point of our lives? If you haven't seen some of those videos I really want to encourage you to go back and have a look. I think they could be enormously helpful for you and they set the stage for what we're thinking about now. Once we've thought about these big questions though there are a whole host of other issues that come up about how we should live now and between now and December we're thinking about 10 rules God gives us for living and in this video I'm going to introduce these rules and I'm going to help us to think about the idea that Jesus said would unlock them for us and help us to understand them Well, each week we either give an answer to our big question or a summary of what we're talking about. And here is this week's lunchtime summary. All our rules for living come down to this, loving God and loving others. All our rules for living come down to this, loving God and loving others, loving God and loving others. Well, let's think about that in a bit more detail, shall we? Why do we need rules for life at all? Can't we just do whatever we want? Well, as a, a former lawyer, I suppose this gets to the heart of what I spent a, a while in my life doing. And I want to argue that while it's tempting to think that we don't need rules, ultimately that's a mistake. Uh, we live in an age that's very anti-rule, that's very anti-authority. It's very tempting, therefore, to think that rules are something we should avoid or be suspicious of. Ultimately, however, living without rules is totally unsustainable. It's actually impossible. That's for two reasons. It's it's morally unacceptable. Living without rules is morally unacceptable. And second, it is logically incoherent. That is, we can't do it. We might add a third, which is that on most conceptions of what life should be like... Living without rules is futile and joyless. So think about those in turn. If we try to live without rules, the weak are inevitably oppressed by the strong. Rules are there to limit how we all behave so that we can each flourish. They're there to say that however strong someone is, however much they might be able to survive at the expense of the weak, they should not do so. Because the rules stop that happening. Without rules, the will of the strongest is simply imposed on everyone else, so no one is free. Let me think of an illustration from a football match at the moment. I'm loving the new Tottenham documentary, All or Nothing, and it brought home to me the importance of rules in sport. If there are no rules, there is nothing in a football match to stop the biggest and strongest players simply kicking the others out of the game. Every time someone else tries to do something in a game with no rules, the strongest, biggest player would simply come along and kick him and take the ball off him. Ultimately, no one would be able to play properly except the largest and strongest player. Rules protect the weak. Living without rules is morally objectionable. But living without rules is also impossible. Perhaps this is a more fundamental problem. Someone will always end up being in control. They will bend everyone else to their will at that point and impose their way of life on other people. It's inevitable that someone, the biggest person, will be in control in a a situation without rules. This is perfectly illustrated by um, the attempt of a humanist chaplain at Stanford University and one of the executives at Airbnb, bizarrely, Uh, To formulate non-commandments, they uh, wanted to come up with 10 non-commandments that avoided rules for life, but that were an atheist alternative to Christianity and Judaism's 10 commandments. And they got through this uh, somewhat interesting and slightly vacuous list of suggestions, got to number nine, which is the, uh, the money shot. There are, there is, they said, no one right way to live. In other words, there are no rules about how we should live. There is no right way to live. Do whatever you think is right. They then followed it by number 10, which commanded people to leave the world a better place than you found it. They couldn't go one rule without contradicting themselves. It's inevitable. This happens every time people try and do away with the rules. They end up getting rid of all the ones they don't like and imposing some others that they do. Finally, then, we might say that living without rules is futile and joyless. Let's go back to the football match. With no rules, there can be no goals. It's not simply that everyone gets fouled. It's that when the ball goes between the sticks, there's no rule that says that's a goal. There is no point to the game. There is no way of preventing injuries. There is no end to the game because there is no rule that it finishes after 90 minutes. All you have is a perpetual, endless, miserable struggle for survival. Now, that sounds to me a little bit like going to watch non-league football might sound to you. And in any event, it is joyless and a waste of time. To put it another way, perhaps to use a different analogy, rules are to human beings what tracks are to trains. Without them, we get nowhere And we end up hurting ourselves and others. Rules are to human beings what tracks are to trains. Without them, we get nowhere and we end up hurting ourselves and others. Rules, in other words, are good. This is also what we find in the Bible. Psalm 19 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy that poem perfectly captures a lot of the things we've talked about rules help us to see which way we should go they help us to know what the point is they, they are, uh, refresh the soul they are joyful because they do what's right they help us to know what's right and what's wrong they help us to adjudicate between what's fair and what's unfair they're firm, they're trustworthy they allow us to trust one another without rules you can never trust anything that I say and I can never trust anything you say Rules are good. Having rules is necessary, inevitable and good. But we need the right rules if we're to live well. And again, this is obvious the moment we stop to think about it. There are thousands of different ways of living. Thousands of different rules and ways of life we could live by. We could be Marxists or Muslims. We could be Buddhists or Baptists. We could be Pentecostals or Postmoderns. The history of humanity is of people making up their own sets of rules, doing what's right in their own eyes. And it makes a huge difference which set of rules we follow. If you come across someone who is a Maoist, they're going to treat you very differently from someone who's a Methodist. We need rules. We need the right rules. So which rules should we follow? Well, thankfully, Jesus points us in the right direction. And we look to Jesus because we've come to understand him as the Son of God, the one who lived and died and rose again for us. And so we listen to what he has to say. This is what he said. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. That's the rules from the Old Testament and the people who interpreted them and applied them. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear... Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be great in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if we're looking for rules to live by, Jesus points us to the Bible And particularly to the law given in the Old Testament, as it's fulfilled and interpreted by him. To put it even more simply, we need to read the Ten Commandments and apply them in the light of Jesus, what he said and what he did. And that's what we're going to be doing between now and December. We're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments and applying them in the light of Jesus, of what he said and what he did. Before we do that, though, there's one final thing we need to think about and that's the key to understanding everything else we look at as we begin to look at the rules or principles that guide us as followers of jesus it's helpful to know the big idea behind them what's the guiding principle the guiding idea that helps us to understand those rules and to put them into action what well, jesus told us he said this the guiding principle that makes sense of and helps us to apply all the other rules, is love. The guiding principle that helps us to make sense of and to apply all the other rules, is love. Matthew, Mark and Luke all record Jesus' teaching on this. Here's Matthew's account. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 22 and verse 23. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, there were one other group of religious teachers, The Pharisees, that's, yet another group, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God's rules for life are designed to lead us towards loving him and loving others. They're expressions of and explanations of those two big principles. Now we can misunderstand this uh, because we misunderstand what love means. When we think of love, we can be tempted to collapse it into a kind of romantic sentimentality, a deep desire for someone else. Love has become the ultimate cheer word in our culture. A cheer word is a word that philosophers describe by saying, as soon as someone says the word love, everyone's supposed to go, yay! Without necessarily thinking about what it actually means and what's being said. It can end up being little more than a sentimental feeling, a desire for someone or something that makes no demands on us and poses no challenge to us. Now, romantic desire is, of course, in many cases, a good thing, although like every other desire, it needs to be controlled. But this isn't what Jesus means by loving God and loving others. Love for Jesus is not a bumper sticker, a slogan or a poster that sounds nice and gives us a warm feeling. It's far more challenging than that. It's far more challenging than that. Jesus' friend John explains what love means here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This type of love isn't a sentiment or a desire. It's a settled decision to submit my interests to the good of others, even when they hurt or hate me. This is a love that we owe first to God and which then overflows to others. It doesn't depend on feelings, nor is it restricted to them. It's a love that feeds the hungry. A love that clothes the naked. A love that forgives the guilty. It's a love which resists evil with implacable grace and yet always seeks the good of its enemies. It's less a picture of romantic bliss and more in the shape of a cross. It's the kind of love that characterises the God who so cares for the world that he's made that he was willing to suffer and die at its hands in order that he might redeem it. Here is love, the hymn goes, vast as the ocean, loving kindness is the flood, when the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. love God and love others so what does this mean for us in practice well first how should you respond to this if you never put your trust in Jesus well let me say to you that following all the rules in the world will not bring you any closer to God in order to come closer to God you need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ you need to meet him And if you've never had that experience then why not come on an alpha course and find out more about him Why not come and explore the faith that he founded that's transformed the world that we live in and led to the conversion of billions throughout history and in the world today? What have you got to lose? It starts on the 17th of September and you can join through Zoom. Just send me an email and we'll book you a place. But for those who are already followers of Jesus, let me suggest three possible ways of responding. First, learn the Ten Commandments and memorise those two principles. Learn the Ten Commandments and memorise those two principles. Now, none of us like to learn anything, do we? We don't like to memorise things. But actually, as we memorise it and we meditate on it, God will start to apply it to our lives and start to change us. We might find that as we memorise commands like do not bear false witness, don't tell lies, that we start to be challenged about the way we speak about others. That as we start to memorise uh, challenges like loving others and loving God, that we start to think, actually, how can I help them? And that begins brings us on to our second application. Begin to ask God... Where you can show love for your neighbours. Now this is intensely practical. It means setting aside 10 minutes at the start of every week. To sit down with a piece of paper and at the beginning sit in silence for two minutes and pray, Lord, what can I do to practically help those I know and love this week? What can I do to work for justice this week? And then sit and think for 10 minutes. And If an idea presents it to you, itself to you, write it down. And then when the 10 minutes are up, think about how you can put them into action. If we all did that every week, imagine how much good we would get done. Imagine how much good we would get done. Then, third, invite people to come to Alpha. Our online Alpha course starts on the 17th September. The most loving thing you can do for anyone you know is to invite them to meet Jesus. He transformed their lives. There's nothing you could do that will so shape their future and their present than introducing them to the Son of God. So why not decide on two people you're going to invite to Alpha this week and then send them a message and invite them. If they don't want to come, that's fine. Don't keep on with them. But you might be the person who they look back on in future years as saying, he or she transformed my life. All our rules for living come down to this. Love God and love others. Please stay with us. We've got communion coming up. Just going to pray for us now. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your commands. We want to thank you that you didn't leave us unable to know how to live. We want to pray that you would so change us that we are renewed in love for you and love for others. Amen.